The Florida Gators had a relatively solid first year under Billy Napier, but there's obviously room for improvement. What are the biggest three areas? What we'll talk about here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and now we're going to spend the whole show talking about the areas that billy napier needs to improve upon the most because yeah we, we can nitpick a bunch of things but there are some areas that are clearly directly correlated to whether or not florida wins games and just the success of the program overall so i think the first thing that we need to talk about is the office of play calling and I know that we've spoken about this ad nauseum here before. We've talked about this part a lot. And I know that there are plenty of Gators fans who they want Florida and Billy Napier to bring in an offensive coordinator that can call the plays. I'm going to nip that one in the bud right now by saying, no, he shouldn't because his offensive coordinator is Rob Sale, who is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country right now. And I don't think you can really deny that. Look at, Florida's offensive line in 2021 to Florida's offensive line in 2022. There wasn't this huge, massive change in the offensive line. It was in in terms of actual personnel that's out there. It was the improved play. We watched every player get better pretty much. Richard Garage had the best year of his career. Osiris Torrance came in from Louisiana as a Rob Sale and Billy Napier product and came to Gainesville as a Rob Sale and Billy Napier product and became an all-American offensive lineman and is likely going to be a tail end of the first round pick or a very early second round pick. Top 40 player is what we call that. So I don't have an issue with Rob Sale. I think that if you're going to make a change at play caller, you give Rob Sale the play calling duties and say, okay, Rob, you handle this. I'm going to focus on being a head coach now. And you can do that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I'm not suggesting, and I'm not suggesting that's what should happen. I'm saying if you are going to make a change at offensive play caller, that's what you do. The offense is very modern for the Florida Gators. It is. Whether or not you like it, it's modern. The reason that people think it looks bad, there's two main reasons. One, the execution sucked. No other way to go about it. Whether it was players just not being in sync, whether it was Anthony Richardson's inconsistent accuracy, which is the thing that we've talked about so much. But the main thing I think that's wrong with the offensive play calling is not the plays that Billy Napier called. It's when he called those plays. Running on first or second down, I will never have an issue with. Or, or running on first down, I will never have an issue with. Because when you're a team as good at running the football as Florida is, 
you can do that. When you have the eighth highest yards per carry in the country, you've earned the right to run on first down every single time because over time, or based on the average, you're going to be then in second and four or second and five. And that's a great situation to be in when you just need five more yards and two or three more plays, depending on if you're going to go for it on fourth down. So I have no problem with running on first down. That is fine by me. My bigger issue was when it wouldn't work, whether you're going against a great defense or running back slips, offensive line just screwed up when that doesn't work or when there's an offensive penalty and that puts you in a long situation where it's like, okay, great. Five yard run on first down, but guess what? We just had a holding call. Now it's back and it's second and it's first and really long and stuff like that. Or a false start, which Florida was just killed by in 2022. He'd run again, or he would throw that little wide receiver screen swing thing that he liked to do that almost never worked. And then you're forced into second and really long or third and really long. And the the opposing team knows that you're going to have to get a first down. So they just drop everybody back to the first down markers. And then you throw it underneath and hope for yards after catch, which Florida was not very good at in 2022. Or you're forcing a pass deep into coverage downfield, which is the thing that I look, I get it. Florida fans. Sometimes you hated the play call. Sometimes you hated the decision. But in that case, you have to do it on third and long if you want to get that first down. You either throw short of the sticks and hope you get yards after contact or yards after catch, or you throw short of the sticks and you you just get what you can and you punt the ball, or you throw it down past the line of scrimmage or past the first down markers and you are at a higher risk of throwing an interception or an incompletion and then you're third and long and you're punting. At least if you go short and you pick up some yards, maybe you go for it on fourth down. Maybe you put yourself in a better position there on fourth down. But there were just too often where Florida just screwed that up. And that was incredibly frustrating. And you're not in those positions if you're better on first and second down. So that was an issue for me where Florida running on first down is fine. But second down management often sucked, leading to third down impossible situations, which Florida struggled with. I also do have an issue with the lack of zone read in this offense. I understand that some Gators fans, myself included to an extent, will say Anthony Richardson was not willing to do certain things running the football. He was not willing to put himself in a position that's compromising for him and his future because he knew he was going to the NFL in this draft class, which he is obviously going to the NFL. And so that's fine to say, eh, well, they didn't call read option because of that. They didn't call read option because they didn't have a backup quarterback because Jack Miller III was out with a broken thumb and or was out with a thumb injury. And Jalen Kitna was a complete unknown until the Eastern Washington game when he played well. And it was like, okay, well, we're kind of comfortable in our backup quarterback situation now. And I understand all of those things. but. That Utah game specifically was lightning in a bottle by using Anthony Richardson's legs to open up everything. And I mean designed runs. I don't mean the huge scrambles. I don't mean any of that. I mean Anthony Richardson on designed runs, on option runs, zone reads, either 
allowing you're because you're, you're taking a defender away if they commit that defender to watch Anthony Richardson and, and stay there and, and make sure that he contains and then you can have the running back run the ball and again you're a great running team so you're going to pick up yardage or if they don't you make them pay with the biggest athletic freak that we've seen at the quarterback position since Cam Newton so I think that if you're Florida if you want to win those games more you need to be able to do that you know scared money don't make money but Scared play calling don't make play calling don't make money either. Scared money, scared play calling doesn't make wins. And that's what it really comes down to here. So I think offensive play calling desperately needs to improve. I also think that the middle eight was a an incredibly difficult situation for the Florida Gators. It, it was one of the Achilles heels there. And we're going to get into that. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're at the midway point in the NBA season. We've hit the all-star break. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, it's easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from money line, three pointers made, top point scores in the game. And now, t- tomorrow, baby, tomorrow, the NBA comes back and we can get right back into it because I've missed you so much, NBA. Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And I, I mentioned it at the end of the last segment. We're talking about the middle eight here. And for those for those of you who don't know, the middle eight is a, a a game management theory that was created by Bill Belichick, who obviously is is the goat in the NFL. Created by Bill Belichick, the middle eight, you can call it the swing eight, if that's what you want to call it. I believe that's what Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz calls, calls it. Whatever you want to call it, it's a game management theory that basically says if a team wins the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, they significantly increase their chances of winning the game. And it's kind of been proven to be true. You look at week two in the NFL last season of the 14 games that were decided in the middle eight, those teams went 12 and two. Okay. And by decided in the middle eight, I mean that your middle eight point differential is greater than your game point differential. So for Florida, Utah, you won that middle eight by four points. Utah kicked the field goal. You scored a touchdown. You won that middle eight by four points. You won the game by three points, which means outside of the middle eight, you were outscored by one, but because you won that middle eight, you won the game. Florida, let's see. What I have all the numbers right here, which is why I'm sorry. I'm going to be looking to the right for a second because I'm looking at these notes. Florida against Tennessee. The middle eight, Tennessee outscored Florida 14 by, by 14 points. For the rest of the game, Florida outscored Tennessee by nine. But you lost those middle eight by 14, so you lost the game by five. That is an example of Florida just screwing the pooch in the middle eight. They did that consistently. The Florida Gators had five games decided in the middle eight in 2022, and they won two of them and lost three of them. Like, that's a huge gap because guess what? If you win all of those games, if you win the middle eight in all of those games, you're nine and three with a different bowl game. 
nine and four overall with the bowl loss, which we could assume that any bowl game would have been a loss for Florida, especially if it was a better bowl game because you're playing a better team. And because Florida had so many players out for the bowl game. So given the roster, you probably lose anyway, but nine and four massive difference over six and seven. You avoid the back-to-back losing seasons for Florida. You add a first year nine and four record. Anybody takes that. Anybody. For Florida, you outscored Tennessee, LSU, and Vanderbilt in the other 52 minutes of game time, but you lost the middle eight, and that decided the game. Florida lost to LSU by 10, but they lost the middle eight by 14, which means you outscored LSU by four for the remainder of the game. Florida lost to Vanderbilt by seven. You lost the middle eight by eight. That means that you outscored Vanderbilt for the other games but for the rest of the game, the other 52 minutes, by one point. You look at the games that were decided like that, and, and Florida only won two games by the middle eight, and by the way, they were two of the first three games. Like I said, Florida outscored uh, Utah by four, won by three. Outscored Florida by four in the middle eight, won the game by three. Florida outscored South Florida by four in the middle eight, won the game by three. That decided the game because you won those middle eight. That, that's what decided the game. There was multiple games that were decided about. And there were games where the middle eight ended up not meaning anything. Kentucky, you were outscored by six in the middle eight, but you were outscored by 10 overall. So you were still outscored by another four in the other 52 minutes. But things like that just constantly screwed Florida up. And that was the thing that so many people complained about for Florida was that middle eight. That's it. After week three, they didn't win a middle eight that decided the game. Poor timeout usage for Florida, whether you called too many timeouts or you just kept them in your pocket. Poor timeout usage screwed up Florida. That's something Billy Napier needs to improve on. A lack of aggression, specifically at the end of the half. I'm not going to say you need to be more aggressive to open the second half, but I will say you need to be more aggressive to end the first half because there were so many times where Florida went, all right, eh, three minutes left, run the ball. Two minutes left, run the ball. Minute left, run the ball. No, at a certain point, when you have a playmaker like Anthony Richardson, you need to throw that damn football. That could have decided the games. Again, Like, like I know that there's so much off-field crap that's happened with Florida, with Jalen Kitno, with Jaden Rashada, all that crap. All of it. And Billy Napier's taken a ton of heat for it. Do you really think he'd take the same heat if his team just went nine and four in his first year with a a bad roster, by the way, like it it was a bad Florida Gators roster. I'm not going to deny that, but you could have gone nine and four if you were better in those middle eight. And that's the part that infuriates me. So that's one of the things where Florida you need to decide that all could have decided the game all could have made Florida better. You would have had a great off season. You would have had a great season. If you go nine and four, simple as that five of the 13 games were decided in the middle eight and you lost three of them. That really sucks. So Florida, you've got to improve in the middle eight. That's got to be one of the biggest areas of improvement for the Florida Gators. And you can give any non-answer you want about why, why you were bad there. You could say it was execution. You say it was, it was whatever, but play calling wasn't good in that middle eight either, specifically the first four of that middle eight. So 
I mean, you got to tighten up. You got to improve if you want to win. And if you want to stay in Gainesville, you have to do that. We're about to talk about the consistency for the Florida Gators being a huge killer here. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about consistency because that was the thing that killed Florida, where you can look at certain stretches, Florida would be dominant. And certain stretches, Florida would be dominated. And that is one of the things where you can genuinely put it on execution at certain points. Uh, I believe it was the Florida State game. Anthony Richardson went like from the start of the, or from the end of the first quarter to the start of the third or something like that without completing a pass. It's horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So there's certain things where you can blame execution. There are certain things where you can blame Billy Napier on that. And consistency is a thing that Billy Napier did struggle with in 2022. He struggled to consistently call the right plays. He struggled to consistently use timeouts properly. He struggled to consistently be aggressive in certain areas. He struggled to, like I mentioned, offensive play calling. He struggled to consistently call his own reads that we know for a fact would have worked for this Florida Gators team because Anthony Richardson is so damn dynamic that it would have forced the defenses to respect that. And imagine, let's imagine running, I'm not saying to go triple option, but imagine having Anthony Richardson in the backfield. Montrell Johnson to his left. Trevor Etienne to his right. Having him read the end with his hand off to Montrell Johnson. Okay. Oh, guy stands still, or guy runs in, so I keep the ball if I'm Anthony Richardson. And now I'm reading the nickel or the corner or the safety or whoever it is that I have to read. And I've got Trevor Etienne as a pitch man, whether he's going to my left or my right and it's a shovel. No matter what it is, I've got Trevor Etienne as my pitch man. The option game wasn't used properly. It was just, and the zone reads that they did call every now and then were inconsistent. Utah, it seemed like they were like, all right, we're going to zone read, zone read, zone read, zone. And they did it a lot against Utah. And then it kind of just disappeared. I don't know if it was, you know, AR got banged up in the Kentucky game, hurt his ankle a little bit, wanted to keep him safe. I don't know if it was AR was hurt from the Utah game. Like he was getting banged up in the Utah game. So he, he wanted to keep him protected. Bad backup quarterback situation. I know. But the consistency there was, was just a killer. And coming out and destroying Texas A&M in the second half while not doing that in the first half. Texas A&M, you were tied at halftime. You outscored them by 17 in the second half. Or you were tied uh, at the end of the the middle eight, you tied. And then you won the remainder of the game by 17. You And it was, it was insane. Um so Florida just was so inconsistent, it, it killed you. And coming out and destroying South Carolina and getting beat up and down the field by Vanderbilt. Like, what the hell was going on at certain points in this game? And I, we could talk about the bowl game. We could talk about Vanderbilt. I genuinely have no idea what was wrong with that because you could say the team came out flat. You could say the execution sucked, but here's the thing. Billy Napier, you're the head coach, and you're thought of as a CEO type. I understand you call plays, and it is very rare that an offensive play caller or a defensive play caller that's a head coach is thought of as a CEO type. You know, you got Matt Campbell, doesn't call plays, thought of as a CEO type. 
You've got Kirby Smart, doesn't call plays, thought of as a CEO type. There's so many guys where they don't call plays and they're thought of as a CEO type. And in college, that works really, really well. It does. But Billy Napier, you're thought of as a CEO type, even though you're the offensive play caller, because of how you present yourself and how you handle everything. And you should be thought of as a CEO type because that's where you thrive. But as the CEO type, it's your job to have this team ready to show up. And they were not ready to show up week in and week out. Kentucky, Kentucky beat the crap out of them. Like you showed up week one against Utah and you lit the world on fire with your showing. It was a three-point win against the number seven team in the country and you were unranked rolling into that game. And your team showed up ready to kick, you know what, and take names. And then Kentucky, the next week, you came out perfectly flat against a team that we do hate, and you just came out flat. Then South Florida, you came out flat. Tennessee was a tale of two teams in that one game. You came out, and again, the middle eight, you were outscored by 14. And the rest of the game, you outscored an undefeated team that was undefeated for a huge stretch of the season. And, and you came out flat at certain points. You ended flat at certain points. Eastern Washington, you came out ready to rip their throats out. Um, LSU, you went ghost for a huge amount of time. And then and then Anthony Richardson ripped off this huge run. And there was like, holy crap, we've got a chance. Guess what? You had a chance the entire time because you won the game outside the middle eight there. So if you were more consistent, that's a win. Vanderbilt, they, they didn't even want to be there. It's cold. Like they didn't want to be there. You could see that. Texas AM dominated second half. South Florida, South Carolina dominated the entire game. And the next week didn't even show up. Oregon State was just a, a I don't even want to talk about that game. That was a take the film, light it on fire, because it's there's no value in that game. But consistency needs to improve for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators in 2023. And I didn't mention the defense much, mostly because this is what Billy Napier needs to improve on. So thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. Make your second listen of the day Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.